0: To Cup of Cubby Blue, you're the Cubs kept winning. Acceptance Smiley starts home for Cubs news updates and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. When you find us, leave us a five star rating so other people can find the podcast as well. I am Sarah Sanchez. I write about why the Cubs should definitely extend Wilson Contreras and more at Bleed Cubby Blue. And today, as always, I am joined by my co-host Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? Well, I am ready to rock.
1: (laughs) <laughs> um, I mean, uh, whatever. We're we're winning series. Is Bleacher bum bands playing Sunday. We're rocking out tonight. Get it, or not Sunday, Saturday at uh, Output. So I'm excited about that. We haven't played in over a month, and so I'm feeling good. Cubs are home. The weather's it's 80 degrees out right now. There's it's going to be a beautiful day today. You know, we've been a long time coming, and and I for one welcome it.
0: Yeah, the weather uh, change has made such a difference in my mood that I can't even tell you. But also, I think it makes a difference for this team when they're not playing in 35 degree weather and like sleety rain type of stuff falling down. The backs just look freer. They look looser playing defense. They're still too planning a little bit, but we can talk about that when we get into it. There is a lot to talk about uh, about this Pirates series. But I do think that this is a warm weather team and it is getting warm in Wrigleyville.
1: I mean, is there a such thing as a cold weather baseball team? I mean, really? I mean, nobody likes it. You know, there's very few guys who like, oh, I love it when it's 40. <laughs> I love swinging the bat with icicles hanging off of it.
0: Yeah, I, that's true. I don't think anyone would opt for that. But let's just jump into these Pirates games because they were a lot of fun. Would have loved to see a series sweep. The Cubs came a couple runs shy of that. Poor Drew Smiley, man, just cannot get run support to save his <laughs> life. But a ton of interesting things happened. Let's talk about the first game, which you know was my jam. Wilson Contreras hit his 100th home run. It was his second at bat of the first inning. He came up uh, in his first at bat, laced a double that he just scorched, and then c- comes back again. The Cubs bat all the way around. Wilson comes up with the bases loaded and hit a no doubt grand slam to the bleachers. He did, in fact, get that ball back. He said he is giving that ball to his dad. Um, Okay, I love everything about this, but I think my favorite thing was just how emotional he was about having achieved this milestone, having achieved it with the team that signed him originally. And I mean, you could see him, you know, kind of blinking away tears on the bench, and he wears his heart on his sleeve. That's part of why he plays with such intensity, and I love that. I love everything about it.
1: Yeah, very cool moment uh, for for him. A hundred is, you know, it's an arbitrary number, but I think it's some it's something that everybody responds to. It's definitely a milestone, and I mean, just you look at Twitter, and it's bittersweet because this is his last year. So everything that awesome that Wilson does comes with a please extend Wilson Contreras, including the article that you wrote at uh, Bleed Cubby Blue about it. So, uh, and, but yeah, underrated is the double that he scorched because everybody's going to remember that grand slam. They completely batter out in that first inning. It's eight to nothing before like half the people even got to Wrigley with the six forty start. Uh, so it was just, that was wild. And then the rest of the game, it was a pitcher's duel. (laughs) It was, it was, it would have been one, nothing, you know, the, the, the only other run they scored was on a double play (laughs) from, uh, Gomes.
0: You know, uh, you were mentioning that they just kind of unleashed in that first inning and and they certainly did. We'll talk about the pitching in a second because Wade Miley was a fundamentally different pitcher in this game than he was in that first game. He pitched against San Diego. I am here for this version of Wade Miley. But before we get to that, um, you know, I want to talk about this offense a little bit in that and how well they did in that first inning because it was exactly the type of offense we'd love to see from the Cubs. You know, they get good contact station to station baseball, even the guys that are getting out aren't doing it in stupid ways. Um, they they manage to avoid two plans in this particular inning, and and you just love to see that type of hard contact the Cubs using all fields as well as we'll see when we talk about hot hitters. Uh, this is this is becoming a trend amongst a bunch of guys, right? Like saya is heating up again. Uh, Ian Hap is heating up again. Like if you've got a core of saya Suzuki, Wilson Contreras, and Ian Hap in the middle of your lineup doing what they do I think that you can hang with any team in the country and the Wilson Contreras trade conversation it's driving me nuts for for one big reason it's not so much that like I like I understand the game of baseball you have a player he's in his last year you're kind of in a rebuild yada yada but as I said in my article it's not like there's catchers are hard to replace there's no other catcher out there coming up who has anywhere near the type of production the Cubs have come to expect from catcher from Wilson Contreras for a while. We saw how that has played out at first base for the Chicago Cubs, right? Like Alfonso Rivas and Frank Schwindel are not Anthony Rizzo. They're not close to Anthony Rizzo. Like that, that is a big drop off. And if the next Cubs team has an Anthony Rizzo type there, it remains to be seen who that is going to be because you're just going to have to accept a drop off from a guy that gives you 30 bombs, 100 RBIs, hits 280. For his career because that guy isn't out there and he isn't out there to sign and it's not and he's not coming up through the system there are more guys you can plug into that first base hole than there are guys you can plug into that catcher hole and I and I was trying to get to some of that in my article because the the stat that really just blew my mind if Wilson Contreras was a designated hitter he would be the fourth best designated hitter in the game right now he would plug in right between JD Martinez and Giancarlo Stanton That's how good his bat is at this moment in time. If he were a designated hitter with his career numbers, he would be the 15th best designated hitter in the league with his career WRC plus of 117. There's no other catcher out there that you can go get to replace Wilson Contreras who is going to do anything close to that. There are only nine guys who have an above average bat in the last five years. So extend the man because really I don't want to see what happens without a catcher who can hit.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's a huge drop off. And I think the designated hitter might be the uh, really the answer to your question is like, how could you let this drop off is because they're willing to let the offense drop off at at catcher in favor of maybe just like a glove first guy who's going to work well with the pitchers because you have a DH. So you can treat your catcher like a pitcher uh, and then upgrade at the other positions. And I think that's kind of maybe the mindset. I don't know that for a fact. But they've play I mean, the the DH being uh, him being one of the best DHs of all time, or whatever it is, uh, or even this year. I mean, it's kind of like a non-stat because, like the they don't use the DH that way. They use it for like a glove first, just plug-in guy, and it's a nine hitter uh, in in many ways. Now you just got a crappy nine hitter, so it just it it's the way it all kind of like shakes out in the end. I don't. I mean, but yeah. Where are you going to get? I mean, that kind of in any position, that kind of output is going to cost you. And I don't even care. And if from a, from catcher, that's just a bonus. Um, he DH'd in this game that he hit the grand slam and the double. He, he DH'd in it, and Gomes was the catcher. Also went uh, three for five. By the way, yeah, um, Gomes was great. Yeah, Gomes is great. I got no problem with Gomes. This isn't isn't about Gomes, but I think that you might see more of. I mean, Gomes is much cheaper than Wilson Contreras, you know? So, you know, he's 34. He's not going to play every day. But if you can have, like, a couple defense-first backups and then you sign a bat somewhere else in your lineup, you know, instead of, like, having a weak-hitting shortstop or something, you get a a home run-hitting shortstop. I don't know, like, what it would be. But, like, they're going to shake it around. And for whatever reason, I, I just don't feel like Wilson Contreras is in their plans. And once they trade him, the ship will have sailed.
0: Yeah, he'll he's not going to come back and resign. So all these people, they're like, "Hey, maybe you could trade him and resign him." That that very rarely works, and I don't think it would work in this instance. I just the last thing I'll say about this because, like I said, I've already written the article. I know we've talked about this a couple of times, but I, I just think it's such an eminently affordable contract. For a dude that brings so much, whether he catches for you most of the time or whether he winds up DHing for you most of the time, you can't get go out and get a G, JD Martinez or Giancarlo Stanton for five years, twenty million no. dollars, eighteen point five million. That's dollars. my point.
1: You're going to pay it. You're right. That's my point. You're going to pay it anyway. So might as well pay it to the guy that you already have. So, uh, and a, a lot of people are making the point that why would Wilson even entertain ideas of an extension when he could have 29 other teams bidding on his services for the money. And uh, you know, that's the unfortunate reality of the business that we're seeing, but uh, you know, Ricketts could even give like the Cubs could give a like a hometown raise, you know, like make sure he's locked in, give him that extra year or whatever he's looking for when his knees are broken. But they, they, they would for whatever reason, like they just won't do it. And I just I don't think any of us understand why. And no, none of us like it. And that's the thing is the fans hate this move so much. And you look at that stadium, you know, the Cubs did pretty well. The weather's been good it's the the it's half full in there if that and it's monday i get it like college they're having college weeks though they're giving discount college tickets they're still not coming out like the bleachers are full cuz that's a different situation that's a party but the rest of the stands they're mostly empty i was there on tuesday night and i mean we had a, me and i was there with our friend luis medina from uh, bleacher nation we walked around we sat in multiple different seats <laughs> we were all over the place you know so uh, and that's like you trade Wilson Contreras what am i showing up to see like i don't like my mom says i don't even know any of these guys who's even on this team and they you know, they're kind of discounting the fact that we want to know who our players are and that's what cubs fandom is and like you're you got to kind of thread that needle with like name recognition and also like doing what's right by you know your team and how you're going to put it together
0: well, and I also just want to draw people's attention to one uh, piece of news that kind of flew under the radar earlier this week. I think this came out on 16th or 17th. Gordon Wittenmeyer over at NBC Sports Chicago uh, published a piece that is, frankly, from a mainstream media outlet. So from not a blog. It is the most explicit thing that I have heard in terms of, one, Wilson Contreras is willing to talk an extension in the season, two, there have been crickets from the front office. This is not a Contreras problem. Like I have heard people say, oh, well, he doesn't want to talk about an extension or he doesn't want to talk about it during the season. That is not true. Uh, Wittenmeyer dispelled any notion of that. He's totally willing to talk an extension. The Cubs front office isn't talking extension numbers right now. And if you watch any interview... Where Wilson talks about coming up from Venezuela, how he's been with the Cubs the whole time, how he spent 14 years in the system, how much it means to him to get his first home runs here and his 100th home run here, watching him work the crowd when Christopher Morel was coming up to bat, watching him be a hype man for this team, that dude is, is willing to sign an extension to stay in Chicago. It is obvious and it is malpractice that the front office has not Started conversations with him like I don't know what they're doing. I agree with you that they have some plan and he doesn't appear to be a part of it. I think it's trash. I'm going with Wilson as long as he doesn't go to the Yankees or the Cardinals.
1: Oh yeah! Oh my God! How awful would that be? I mean, <laughs> especially because like Yachty, it's his last year. I don't know who they no, got. I didn't. can't. They got
0: Well, no, they have. I think they actually do have some catching prospects in the St. Louis system, and you know the Cardinals play the game the Cardinal way or whatever. Anyway, that let's get off. Let's get off the down part of this. This was a victory. This was a great Cubs victory. It was a 9-0 yeah. Cubs victory. Wade, Wade Miley. Miley. Let's go. Yeah. Wade Miley pitched a gem. He retired the first fourteen batters he faced, and he actually looked like he might be in rhythm for a perfect game. Uh, he kind of got off his rhythm with a weird timeout call and then promptly gave up a hit. But there was a moment where I wondered if I picked the wrong game to attend this homestand because I thought Wade Miley might have a no-hitter in him. He looked that good.
1: Yeah, well, he only gave up one, so that's close to a no-hitter. <laughs> he struck out six, and I, I like how fast this guy works too. I mean, because when he's rolling, like, he's just going to keep coming at you, and he's just going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming, and he's he's relentless. And that's a beautiful thing to see. Uh, it also makes for—I mean, how long was this game? This Not- game was
0: two hours and twenty-nine yeah. minutes. It was great. I,
1: I know. I—I I couldn't attend this one. I was actually at rehearsal at the fabulous Trapdoor Theater. And uh, I, I, I thought, oh, I'm going to catch the end of this one once rehearsal is over. <laughs> nope, it was over. It it was over uh, way before rehearsal was over. And I was like, how did he manage that? Yeah. And that it's nasty. Wade Miley just pounding, give like no no traffic. He didn't walk anybody too. So that's neither did whole- Michael
0: Rucker. There were no walks in this game for the Chicago Cubs. More of that, please.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you no, know, it was it was great, especially because he walked five before it couldn't put anybody away. And so it was just a thing of beauty. I mean, and this is the frustrating thing too. It's like, if Wayne Miley does really well, we probably don't get to keep him.
0: So I I have one for you and look, I'm going to be a Homer Cubs fan for one second because this team, and admittedly they're playing the pirates and the diamondbacks and like, you know, the hardest team they've played in this stretch is the San Diego Padres. But this team went in two out of three against the Padres, two out of three against the Diamondbacks, two out of three against the Pirates. Wade Miley looking solid. You're getting Marcus Stroman back for the Diamondback series. At some point this season, Adbert Alzali is going to come back and take uh, one of those rotation spots, give Justin Steele a little bit of a break. If that team plus Kyle Hendricks, the way he's been pitching the last couple of starts is the team I don't know, Danny, maybe this team is better than I thought they were. Now I think better for this team is like, they're a 500 team, not like a hundred loss team, but this team looks pretty good.
1: Yeah. I mean, they just have to beat the teams they're supposed to be. I mean, we're still down by we're, we're, we're in fourth behind the pirates from losing last night and the pirates right now have the, the advantage on the season series as well. So you got to, win the rest of the games against the pirates and we uh, haven't faced the reds yet. And we face them next week. And so we'll see, you got to win all those games, you know, every, but, you know, the reds, they pitch no hitters and, and lose. So like, it's that's a reds. team you got to be beating. Yeah. And uh, if you don't, then, then you're, then you're going to be more the 9,500 loss team. And if you beat those teams, then you could be 500 and show get, we'll have a nice summer in Chicago before the, the winter wind comes.
0: Totally. Uh, Let's talk about the second game here. I think of this game as the game of so many epic debuts. This was a fun game. But before we get to the debuts of Brandon Hughes and Christopher Morrell, both of which we will talk about in detail, Keegan Thompson, not a debut, but making a start for this season. He's going to get a few of those opportunities. Absolutely shoved. He threw five innings. Only gave up four hits. He looked a little shaky in the first inning, but got out of it okay. Did not walk anybody, didn't give up an earned run, and struck out five guys. I love that Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele are some homegrown pitching talent who seem to be quite good at the major league level.
1: Yeah. And I've wondered just with how Thompson has been pitching in the relief role with like an opener, like sometimes it is Justin Steele, for example, they piggyback those guys, but he's been forced into this role because of uh, Marcus Stroman's COVID. About and uh and uh quite frankly I was wondering why he wasn't getting more starts because I mean why not have him start the game he's been nothing but lights out he's got a 141 earned run average he didn't he have uh no that was Steele had the 10 strikeouts the other day but uh, you know Thompson's pitched nothing but great so I don't know everybody's stretched out now put him in the rotation I don't see uh, now there's no room. So, and you wonder about al coming back or eventually uh, Alec Mills, I guess, which is, will be part of this team eventually as well. Um, but yeah, why, why not have him be, well, I guess he's I your mean, Mike Montgomery.
0: I, I got to tell you, I'd rather see Keegan Thompson start games than Mark Leiter start games. So if David Ross has to make that decision again in the near future, the answer has to be Keegan. Thompson.
1: I think Leiter got, he finished this game.
0: Oh, did yeah, he get DFA'd? And,
1: and then he, yeah, I, I think he got I thought he got optioned. Mo- I didn't think yeah. he got
0: DFA'd. I thought he got optioned.
1: Yeah, I think he's down in the minors, though. Uh, but my point, point is, they
0: pulled him up a couple of times for spot starts for injuries, and I'm just like, can I have D. Yeah. Thompson instead?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Make Al Leiter be the guy that, uh, or Mark Leiter be the guy that uh, comes in for Thompson. If yeah. Thompson doesn't have it. You know, like, why are we doing this? Like, why does Thompson not get that? kind of preparation because that's what you want eventually is that you kind of you want to see what you got out of this kid and you want to see if he can start at a big league level and if he can do it all the rest of this year then he's part of your rotation next year and that's money you don't you can spend on a, a bat or anything else so that you don't have to buy pitching anymore
0: on Wilson Contreras perhaps um
1: yeah maybe the- <laughs> what an idea
0: uh earlier a- it- Early in this game, Daniel Vogelbach had the first triple of his career. And if you've not watched the video of Daniel Vogelbach hitting a triple, and admittedly, Ian Happ helped him out a little bit on that with a terrible route to the ball in left field. But, you know, it's a triple. A triple is a triple. Uh, Daniel Vogelbach running the bases with some fun stuff. He looked pretty gassed at third. Uh, And then whoever the next batter was, I think it was Sutsugo, uh, hit a fly ball to right field, which, look, props to say a Suzuki on this one. Suzuki kind of made it look like Vogelbach was going to have a chance uh, to tag on this play and then threw a laser like an absolute strike to Wilson Contreras that made it imp I don't think anybody would have would have tagged from third on that play and Vogelbach is not fast but the weirdest part of this to me it causes a benches clearing incident and as far as I can tell here's what happened Vogelbach ran home terrible slide I don't think he ever touches home plate Wilson tags him out like five feet before he gets to the bag and Wilson kind of pats him on the back like, hey, buddy, are you OK? Because it was, kind, of, you know, kind of a collision. And they're both big dudes like and Vogelbach stands up all angry and pushes Wilson's mask away and kind of puffs his chest out like Wilson's like, yo, what? Like, I swear to God, Wilson was being nice and Vogelbach threw a tantrum.
1: That's how it seemed to Cub fans. Uh, I did on the condensed game. You could see they have both the Cubs announcers being like, look, he's asking how he is. I wonder what a nice guy Wilson is. And uh, the pirates guys are like, well, I wonder what he said to him down there. Like he's he, like Vogelback didn't say anything to Wilson. Now Wilson's the one John Adam. And so like, it really is. It was such like, you know, one of those, uh, you could see it both ways, depending on what you're, perspective was and i don't see it that way it did look like he was like are you okay it really did look like he's got his hand on his back but he might have been just like he's like oh you thought you could score on that <laughs> you know you are way too fat buddy to score you know like he might have said i
0: can't imagine wilson saying that to a former teammate like yeah. i just Maybe they hate each other. I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I don't exactly.
1: Know. We just don't know. Like he, you know, you <laughs> might've said something really awful, but kindly it's cause kind of how you like say horrible things to your pets. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you have that disease, but I know a lot of people do where you just, you'd be, oh, you're so cute. I just want to throw you up against the wall. Like, you know, like, nope. you don't do Ooh, that?
0: Danny, I, I don't know. I, I might, I maybe, I'm weird. Just,
1: to a pet. just Or just like call them names. Like you're the dumbest little stupid. And like, you never do that? No. <laughs> okay. Well, I with, call them. With my, animals,
0: I, I, turn into, I turn into a child and I'm like, oh, are not you the cutest little cute thing ever?
1: They don't understand i know Human language, so i, understand I you can say language. anything. It's the but thing of never. like you. I know, but you could say really horrible things to a dog.
0: I don't that are you are in, a, in a nice
1: voice is what I'm saying. And you say dog, really
0: poor puppy, Danny. But, we but they should, don't know. We talk about this. Like I'm, I'm getting worried about the way you treat dogs.
1: <laughs> no, no, I, I'm really kind to them. I, I have the really nice voice on. I'm just saying horrible things. <laughs>
0: One of these days, a dog is going to understand you, and
1: I'm yeah, just, things are going
0: to happen. I'm just uh, saying maybe Wilson uh, no, no, let's, pulled let's one move of those. On. <laughs> let's move on before you get canceled. Um, <laughs> later ASPCA
1: in this, coming in later,
0: PETA is going to listen to this show and come after you. Uh, later in this game, Brandon Hughes, who is a king, converted outfielder, makes his debut, his MLB debut uh, as a pitcher, He's got a crossbody delivery. He, he's a lefty. The delivery actually reminds me a little bit of Jake Arrieta with that crossbody motion and the deception he gets on batters. Um, obviously lefty versus righty, totally different pitch mix. But the uh, it, wicked, wicked sliders. He threw 1.2 innings, didn't give up a run, didn't give up a hit. He did walk one guy uh, later in his in his outing. I think it was the second, la- second to last batter he faced. Struck out five this kid looks like he can play and did not seem intimidated by the big leagues at all.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. He was great. Uh, for the, those five strikeouts. And the one that impressed me the most was cause they were swinging at <laughs> that ball was all over the place. You know, it's like you said, it was just diving out of the zone and they didn't even have a prayer to hit it. Um, every, they made everybody look like the worst version of Javier Baez, which was hilarious. Just swinging at balls, four feet out of the zone. But the one that impressed me the most, the strikeout was that impressed me the most was the called strike three where he just it looked like it was going to be the same kind of garbage. But it was just on the corner and it was I mean, not even on the corner like that's uh, the wrong characterization. It was over the plate and uh, it it just froze the guy. And so that's a beautiful thing. Um, I, I hope that they continue to swing at that because now that he's pitched, nobody saw him. So now there's tape. Uh, Now they're going to, if they see that the Diamondbacks will see he struck out five. So they're going to be like, oh, what does this guy do? And so they'll look at it and they'll be like, oh, don't swing. It's a ball. (laughs) It's like, you know, that's what you hope that they'll continue to do is swing at that garbage. But yeah, it was great. And what a story. So he's like, well, I wanted to still be a baseball player. So I decided to become a pitcher. It's like, how does, how do you do that? That's amazing.
0: It's pretty impressive. Uh, I honestly thought that was going to be the story of the game. And then Christopher Morel, man, decided to make himself the story of the game. There are a couple things about Mr. Morel that I want to talk about here. One, I was reading through some of the prospect reports and uh, looking at some of our Cubs prospect friends on Twitter, what they have to say about this guy. I heard this from multiple sources. This is not a me thing. They uh, said a little bit Javi-esque. I looked at the numbers, and I think that I, I see where they're what they're saying. He strikes out a lot. He's high energy, great defense, lot real fast bat, uh, lots of pop in that bat. I think that if you think of him as slightly less good than Javi, like you will not be disappointed. Twenty two year old kid gets called up from Double A directly to the major leagues. I think he's going to strike out more than Javier Baez. I think he might hit five or eight fewer home runs a season than Javier Baez when he finally gets his shot at the show. And I think that the defense will remind you a little bit of Javi. So don't hold him to the Javi standard, but keep in mind the electricity, the energy. I mean, we saw it on full display. An inning before he comes into this game, he's talking to Wilson Contreras and Alfonso Rivas on the bench. He's not in the game yet. Tells them he is going to hit a home run uh, in this game, just like Wilson Contreras did. Now, one, the confidence there is amazing. That definitely reminds me of like Javi and Schwarber when they came up at like 22 years old. Like, I'm just going to rake. That's what I'm going to do. The confidence is incredible. But so he comes up, comes to the plate. Uh, Wilson Contreras is hyping the crowd. He's up on the dugout trying to get the crowd into it. The Cubs have a big lead at this point, And he wants Christopher Morrell to have the energy of the crowd in his first at bat at Wrigley. Wilson succeeds. Uh, the count is quickly 3-2, and I'm sort of sitting there like, huh, the crowd is super into this. I wonder if they can will something to happen here, and I, I, I kind of think they did because the combination of the crowd and Christopher Morel's confidence in himself and that high fastball that was right in his wheelhouse, that ball went out like a laser to the concourse. That is far, far away with a dead ball 417 feet 111.3 miles per hour off the bat and Christopher morell with a big league bat flip that was a Wilson Contreras level bat flip on his first home run in his first at bat ever the kid was so excited he missed first base it was incredible <laughs> I loved everything about it I loved Wilson jumping out of the dugout and bouncing around high stepping because he was so stoked for Christopher Morel. Danny tell me what you saw in this play
1: yeah, I was there. I took a picture of it. It was awesome. Um, was, And uh, our friend Wally got the ball as well. So he got to meet. Uh, I can't wait to see Wally. I'd, maybe I'll see him tomorrow. Uh, but it, I know that the Cubs brass came over and uh, they want to give that ball to Morrell. And Wally's, of course, going to give it to him, but not without a price because they give you quite a bit of things. I don't know if everybody knows that, but you can kind of ask for not the moon, but it with Within reason, you'll probably get to meet the player. You'll get to go back there, talk with them for a little bit. They'll give you a jersey. They'll give you some swag, a bobblehead, a baseball game, use this and that. So they'll hook you up with a bunch of stuffs. And Wally couldn't have been more excited. We were, you know, just going nuts out there. And I, it wasn't a big crowd, but it was certainly a Wrigley crowd, like, and by, what can I say by like, like we celebrate we're, we're a smart fan base in the fact that we knew what a, that, that was a big deal. We knew that this kid was coming up. We knew that this was his first at bat. Like I feel like a lot of fan bases don't clock everything that goes on with the team in that way. They're just like going to catch a ball game, but Cub fans, I, I think a lot of people bought tickets just to see if Christopher Murrell would play you know just cuz yeah. they want to be at his first game and stuff so uh so it was just super exciting and and man it's just like no p- better place than Wrigley uh that was just electric and i was so happy to be at that one it was so much fun
0: yeah and and that hasn't happened the last guy to hit a home run on his in his first major league at bat for the chicago cubs was wilson contreras so it's been since 2016 that the cubs cubs fans have had a moment like that uh yeah, i like this bro kid he had a nice at-bat yesterday as well, uh, got himself another, not, another knock. He played some great defense at third. I don't think he's going to stay up the whole season once injuries kind of calm down and stuff, when Nico and Nick Madrigal are healthy again. I imagine that Morrell's going to head back to double-A or maybe triple-A. I mean, I think that he's shown he might be fine at triple-A right now. Um, but – Think of this as like when we were watching Javi in 2014 for a handful of games and he's going to be back someday and he's going to make an impact. I think Christopher Morrell will make an impact for this Cubs team in the near future. And he's exciting, man. I like him.
1: Yeah, very cool. And uh, I just feel like having that youthful energy on the team is very needed right now because we kind of, we kind of got into a rut all those years. So we do need to kind of see who our next great Cubs team is. And to see this kind of flash uh, in morale, it's just, it's kind of a sight for sore eyes at this point, because you know, now these young guys are going to get a chance on this team. And, um, and I think we'd all rather see that than the 31 year old rookies, God love him, but you know, it's like
0: no offense to Andrelton Simmons, but like, I'd rather see what Christopher Morrell can do with some reps at shortstop.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, quite frankly, in this game, like Morrell went one for three with a walk and struck out twice. And Simmons went over three and got pinch hit for by gomes because, you know, so who would you rather see? Like who do they even would they rather see, (laughs) you know, at this point? So.
0: Totally with you. The third game did not go the Cubs way. Drew Smiley cannot buy run support. Like I, every time Drew Smiley pitches, he gives up like three or four runs, which is exactly what you want from a number five starter. And the Cubs get one fewer run than that. And Drew Smiley gets a loss. Uh, This time, Drew Smiley gave up three earned runs. The Cubs only got two. The Cubs could not crack the Pirates bullpen. Pirates. Look, it's the same part of the Pirates bullpen. They've had trouble with in the past. It's the Will Crow, David Bednar, part of the Pirates bullpen and the Cubs, couldn't crack it. Uh, one guy who did stay hot was uh, Ian Happ. Our friend Michael Sarami was hyping up Happ earlier today on Twitter. And he's not wrong. Uh, he has been slashing 323, 423, 484 over his last nine games. He had more walks than strikeouts over that time period, which you love to see from Ian Happ. And he's one of the only players in Major League Baseball with an on-base percentage over 400 for the year. So, you know, love to see Happ stand hot.
1: Yeah. And this was kind of the, the bullpen game that I was kind of worried about in a way because they used the opener crow and then went to Keller. And I don't know if this goes any, because we've hit Keller before a lot. I mean, and the, what really killed me is like, why the same thing with Jose Quintana, who we did not face in this series, but Dwayne freaking Underwood Jr. Are you serious right now? Like that's who's going to, I mean, I'm fine if, like, Bednar and Crow are doing it, because we already saw that. That's like, they do have some arms down there. But Dwayne Underwood Jr. had a 623 ERA at the end of this game after going 2.1 innings pitched and didn't allow any hits, no runs, struck out two. But it's just like, come on, guys. Dwayne Underwood, please.
0: Yeah, I saw a lot of. Saw a lot of people on Twitter like, why did the Cubs let Dwayne Underwood go? And I wanted to be like, because he wasn't very good when he was yeah, a Chicago he's, Cub.
1: He's <laughs> still not very good. And that's <laughs> you know, that's the the tough thing. And then now, meanwhile, our bullpen did a great job, you know, uh, shutting him down for the rest of it. Miley only goes to 4.1. He's out, the, out of there uh, in the fifth. And then you, you get Efros, Martin, Givens, Wick, Robertson's back from the I.L., and everybody did great. They ended up with 11 strikeouts total from the, from our staff. And, uh, you know, just part of this problem was like, yeah, I had those mistakes, you know, you had the Schwindel mistake, you had, uh, a hap with an error out in the, in the field, the R had an error and I don't know, maybe you clean that up a little bit and you're on the right side of this three, two win.
0: Yeah, a couple things you talked about there that I want to hit on. One, um, Scott Efros is becoming like must-watch TV for me. He's a really, really interesting pitcher. The sinker has movement on it that is filthy um, out out of that sidearm slot. And he did some work, apparently, uh, with Steve Ciszek to learn some of that sidearm delivery and how to be effective there. Man, Ciszek had a real nice career deceiving batters out of the bullpen. And if Efros can mimic that, I am here for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, c was very effective pitcher, uh, for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> I mean.
0: Sec- second guy that you mentioned that I want to talk about there is Michael Givens, who looked like a different guy in this game, in this particular game, Michael Gibbons has been either amazing or awful. He's like the he's like the new uh, Justin Wilson. He is either very very good or he is terrible. But he was very very good in this game. I would like to think that that has something to do with the fact that I bumped into Michael Gibbons yesterday before this uh, this game, and he happened to compliment my Cubs sweatshirt, and I said thank you and wished him good luck. So I'm gonna, I'm going to say that I I was good luck for Michael Gibbons there.
1: I'll give it to you from now uh, on you got to go talk to michael Givens before every game
0: i'll see what i can do about that uh last thing i want to say here is if you are tracking cubs two plans this year why not we got to track something and the cubs are two planning a lot frank schwindel had a two plan in this game so the two plan tracker is back to zero
1: <laughs>
0: or back to like it's been zero game since a two plan not like, zero game yeah. since the last incident right yeah, yeah like your workplace <laughs> tracker
1: we should get one of those put it in the background i mean we're a
0: bleachers been zero days since the last two plan
1: the the last two plan that's hilarious yeah that's right you overran the base and you know and so instead of i mean what what was that vr's hit him it would have been first and second with one out or something i forget what it would have been but it was um you just can't be running into outs on the base paths You just, you can't do it. Like, I'm not sure like what the sequence was. Maybe you score a run there. You keep any, you get the pitcher on the ropes, like anything, all those little moments matter so much. And it just, uh, I, I, you just hate to see it. That, that one was particularly messy. It's like, what are you doing? You're just,
0: yeah. it was just like an oversight. It's like you overrun the base and then you get caught in no man's land. And all of a sudden you're in a two out situation instead of a one out with a runner in scoring position situation. And that is, don't do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was it was just frustrating to see. And uh they got to they got to clean that up. And I don't know how that I mean, is that just baseball IQ stuff? I like...
0: I think it's just I think that the Cubs have an a, a philosophy of being aggressive on the base paths this season because they don't have as much power in the lineup so they do want to try to get to third instead of second more often than not. They do want to try to stretch things into a double when they can. The problem is that they need to they need to temper that aggression in situations where they're not going to make it, right? And so we keep seeing them getting caught in lead in leadoffs that they shouldn't have that big of a lead-off. Or they, they, like, say a Suzuki doesn't realize that Clayton Kershaw can go so fast to first and just gets caught in no man's land, right? Like, there's a whole bunch of little pieces here that I think once they get cleaned up... Um, this team will actually look pretty good. But for, for right now, that aggressiveness is turning into a lot of two plans, which is annoying.
1: Yeah, it's it's frustrating uh, because uh, tight games like this, you could have been on the other end of it. Because the way that inning went, that was the fourth. Suzuki doubled. Sh- Riva struck out. Uh, Schwindel hit in Suzuki. Then VR singled, And then it would have been first and second at that point. But instead, Frank the Tank gets out. So then, VR steals second base. At which point, Morel walks. Uh, so uh, you could have bases loaded with one out for Andrelton Simmons. Now with one out and the bases loaded, like I don't think Andrelton Simmons is going to do much there. But he, with the bases loaded in game one, I believe he just little swinging bunt scored a run. So
0: or, or a fly ball, right? Anything. Like at that point, Andrelton Simmons just has to hit a ball to the outfield, and if it's an out, you don't care because you'll take the run. Like I just think there are ways for the Cubs to clean that up. And I totally agree with you that in a one run game, it is frustrating to see that type of out on the base paths. We are up against a break. So we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, but don't go anywhere. Cause on the flip side, we have some news and notes from around the league that you will not want to miss. We also have a preview of a four game series between the Cubs and the Diamondbacks that will be taking place at Wrigley field this weekend. And it will kick off uh, tonight on Thursday with a Zach Gallen, Marcus Stroman matchup. you will definitely want to hear us talk about that, but first a quick word from our sponsors. All right, we are back. Uh, The Mets man are metzing and they have some injury woes. Uh, Max Scherzer asked to be pulled out of a game mid batter. That is not a good sign. Hope everything is good for Max Scherzer. He's super fun to watch. Tyler McGill has hit the I.L., with some pitching arm issues which you never love to see I mean the Mets look like a really good team and it Steve Cohen looks like he's going to spend whatever money he needs to spend in order to keep them a really good team but it does seem like they're they're getting a little bit hammered with injuries keep in mind Jacob DeGrom had a setback this week too doesn't look like he'll be back until at least July
1: yeah I mean that's going to (laughs) be I think we said it last week on the show or last show is that one of the things that the 2016 Cubs had going for them is health. They were an exceptionally healthy team and you actually have to go out there and play the baseball, play the baseball that is on your schedule and you got to keep your best players on the field. Uh, I know that we've done a lot of complaining on the son Ranto show over the last couple of years about uh, the Cubs training staff and like all the way they've handled a lot of the injuries. That's been, that's a huge part of the game is the health of it. And Hey, if the Mets can't stay on the fields, I mean, the Phillies, they're not crying about it. You know, that they got a decent team.
0: Speaking of the Phillies and crying, I don't know if you saw this piece in the athletic uh, where the Phillies went to the West coast and just hammered a ton of home runs and their hitting coach Kevin Long came out in an interview and said that the baseballs that they were using at Dodger Stadium were just different than the balls that they've been using in Philadelphia. He said that they are they look a little bit darker, they feel harder, and that he thought that was part of the reason that they were hitting home runs that were outs in Philadelphia. I mean, this the league has got to get a handle on this baseball issue. Kevin Long, they can't have hitting coaches saying that the baseballs are different in multiple different places like that. And he's far from the first person to be talking about that right now. Uh, You've got pitchers talking about it. You've got hitters talking about it. The league has to get a handle on this ball situation, right?
1: Yeah, I I mean, but they just haven't. It's been, this is years now. This is since 2019 with the juice ball.
0: Since 2015 with the original juice ball, like oh, Meredith God. will started cutting baseballs open in 2015 with the home run spike.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> so if you expect it now, eight years later, <laughs> you know, it's just like um, fool me once kind of thing, but it's yeah. The inconsistency is the biggest problem. And I know that, that, that weren't there more hit by pitches too the other yep. day with the hit Cardinals and Mets. Yep. Yeah, and so like that's a major problem. Somebody's going to get really hurt. I mean, you know, they might never play the game again just because of one ball that, you know, slipped out of somebody's hand at 98 miles per hour and nailed somebody in the noggin. So, it's it's a it's a safety issue and it's just like a fairness issue and like It's both.
0: Yeah, it's a safety issue and a fairness issue. And honestly, just get the literal baseball right, MLB. i I joked on Twitter the other day that MLB should just hire Dr. Meredith Wills to be the vice president in charge of the literal baseball. And I think that she would do a better job than whatever combination of people they have messing around and tinkering and, yeah, we'll try humidors here and we'll try this there and we'll do this with the ball and this with the core and blah, 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 blah. Like, just get it right. Like, go back to what you were doing before and get it right. This tinkering is, is not Good for anybody. Um, speaking of tinkering, Robo Umps made their debut in the PCL, which is AAA A uh, league in the West Coast. Great thread on Robo Umps from, and I apologize if I mispronounce this name. I've never heard it pronounced before. Josh Suchan, who does play-by-play for the Albuquerque Isotopes. Uh, definitely check that out we'll be sure to retweet it from the cup of cubby blue account it explains how they work and what the game experience was like but he said it was pretty flawless uh you know they didn't really notice any time where the empire was trying to get the call and the way it works is the empire makes the call most of the time but they get an assist if they want it um there were no weirdo things like the ball bouncing into the strike zone or anything like that and Frankly, it just was a game where there weren't a lot of missed calls, which sounds, that sounds lovely to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And if you want a little bit more offense in the game, uh, I think that's the way to do it uh, because the pitchers will be forced to come over the plate more. And, um, and then you'll get more action in the game, which it's all about pace of play. And so if, if you force the pitcher over the plate or force hitters to swing at bad pitches, (laughs) Uh, Like our man Hughes made people do, um, you know. Then it's just going to be a better style of play, and and also just fair because oh my god, there's just been some horribly called games, and we're we're spoiled because we've got the pitch tracks and all that stuff, so we can see how bad it is. You can just look at your phone after every single pitch and see what happened. But um, you know, the robots—they make it. They make it real. They make it the real thing. I don't need to see bad calls that just to keep things human at any, at this point, you know, I think anybody
0: wants that.
1: <laughs> some people do like even John Baker uh, is a fan of um not having a robo umps because he's just like, well, why don't we have robot players too? <laughs> you know? And he's just like, at what point, like, let's have robot first base coaches that will shoot up the probability of you make it, making it to second base based upon your run speed at that point. Like it's all become math and, um, uh, metrics. Uh, and, but there's, there's no reason that that has to be the umpire's.
0: I mean, I don't think that we're in the risk of there being first base coaches who are robots. I, I do recognize that teams use things like pop time metrics and things like how quick the pitcher is to the plate in order to determine if they should run or not. And that a robot would be theoretically better at that than Mike Napoli. But I don't think Mike Napoli's going anywhere anytime soon. I think that, you know, in all likelihood, what this does is just take something that all of us can see, which is the actual strike zone that we see on the TV with the strike zone box and whatever. Uh, and and automates it to make sure that it is correct. And I agree with you. I agree with your hunch that uh, it would probably increase offense in the game. The last thing I want to talk about here before we move to this Diamondback series, and hey, he's a Diamondback now, so it maybe kind of bridges the way. Uh, we saw Zach Davies throw against the Cubs in Arizona. He is not listed as a current probable pitcher right now, though Arizona does have a TBD on their list of probable pitchers. But did Zach Davies ghost his wife? like his literal spouse while he was a cub because Zach Davies wife on Instagram earlier this week posted that in 2021, when her husband was quote unquote playing for another team in another city, and that would be the Cubs. uh, She got a text message at 6 AM. He blocked her on his phone and she hasn't heard from him since she just signed divorce papers. This is a wild story. I can't even, I've never ghosted somebody period. Uh, I don't think I've, been ghosted in a long-term relationship, ghosting your spouse who you've been with for a decade is next level psych- psychopathic.
1: Yeah. I mean, we got one side of the story. I, you know, but yeah, as somebody who do- didn't like Zach Davies before this, <laughs> it was easy for me to be like, yeah, screw him. But yeah, that was pretty rough. I mean, if you go look at it, it's a Meg W Lynn with a bunch of ends on uh, Instagram. Now I did see that. <laughs> And, um, yeah, I mean, that's rough to, to, to not just go, but to be blocked out of the blue by your husband. I mean, just blocked, uh, cut off all communication. Um, just sent a text. It says, sent a text message at 6am in the morning and then blocked me, found out he was having an affair and you know, people have their personal lives and these are public people. Uh, marriages don't always work out. Um, but Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm sad. He pitched yesterday and lost. So I'm kind of sad that he's not going to be um, uh, pitching at Wrigley because we'd all let him know about
0: it on I Sunday. Was if say, he- <laughs> Zach Davies would get a rude welcome from Cubs fans if he was going to show up uh, at Wrigley field. And I, I, I imagine he's going to have, I mean, he's going to have to deal with the consequences of this all season. I just can't, would have worked out better for him if he would have just talked to his wife and not had this drama, in my opinion. Admittedly, we don't know the whole story, but I can't imagine anything that justifies ghosting your literal spouse. Um, let's talk about the pictures the Cubs will face in this game. The probable pictures the Cubs are going to throw out there. Danny, we have no TBDs for the first time in ages. Knock on wood that the Cubs stay healthy and none of these names change. The Cubs will throw – we'll start with Marcus Stroman tonight, Kyle Hendricks tomorrow for Ferguson Jenkins dedication day. Uh, Justin Steele on Saturday, Wade Miley on Sunday. The Diamondbacks will counter with Zach Allen, Umberto Castellanos, Madison Bumgarner, and TBD. What do we see in these pitching matchups, Danny?
1: Well, first of all, I'm really happy that uh, Marcus Stroman is back because. <laughs> he's gotta be a huge part of this rotation. If this, if really, if we have any hope to, to be able to have a good season this year. So it'd be great to see him back on the mound. I hope he does great because he had that two hit seven inning performance against the Brewers on May 1st, right before this all, uh, before the COVID thing hit. And so um, I'm just, I'm really excited to see uh, him. Um, Zach Gallen is going to be out there for, and he's great, but we beat him. Uh, in the the uh, Jan Gomes game, if you remember that one, where basically he was like a one-man offense. And the Cubs didn't act, actually – there was a 1-1 tie for a long time in that game, and then the Cubs finally broke it open in the ninth. I forget it against two. Uh, but it was partly Jan Gomes, I think, hit in that uh, go-ahead run there. And um, we also faced Umberto Castellanos as well. We beat him too. But he did pretty well. So We only got two runs off of him, and he went into the sixth. Um, that was the game that Ortega and Wisdom both homered off of him. So they were both solo shots. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, you're looking for him to continue to build. Uh, it wasn't as stellar as the amazing outing that he had before when he almost had a complete game, but he's still like looking like uh, Dr. Hendo instead of Mr. Kyle. And then uh, old friend Madison Bumgarter against Justin Steele a Battle of the Lefties on Saturday, which there's a lot of rain in the area. So I don't know if all these are going to get played when they're supposed to get played. Um, uh, another plug for the Bleacher Bum Band, because we'll play regardless at some point, if it's <laughs> rain or shine, because our show's inside at uh, uh, over at Output, right on Clark. Um, but uh, Madison Bumgarner, he hasn't been himself this year. And uh, not a lot of strikeouts. So he used to be Mr. Strikeout. Now he's not really that guy anymore. He's been going only five innings on the regular. And I thought he was older than he is. He's only 32. Um, Lots of innings
0: on that arm, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. And one thing, if you play beat the streak, I was going to send this to our friend Crawley uh, because he plays beat the streak every day. VR, if he's in this game, pick him. Five for seven with a homer and two doubles against Madison Bumgarner. And Steele, I mean, 10 strikeouts in his last outing versus this very Arizona Diamondbacks team. I mean, uh, hopefully they're not watching too much tape on him and we could just have him do it again. Uh, Wade Miley, we already talked about. And uh, TBD, for them, well, we don't know who's going out there Sunday. It's not going to be Davies because he pitched um, yesterday. It might be a bullpen-ish game. I don't know who else they've got, but they don't know either yet. So.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: so it's not for us to make up.
0: Well, and you were mentioning that the Cubs pitchers get to face a Diamondbacks team that has been struggling at the plate Uh, for the season. The Diamondbacks are slashing 207, 291, 356 with a WRC plus of 85. That means they are 15% worse than league average at driving in runs. Hopefully the Cubs pitchers can take advantage of that. They're hot hitters. I ran this for the last three weeks, um, three full weeks. Are not all that hot. Dalton Varsho has a WRC plus of 119. Christian Walker has a WRC plus of 118. Jordan Luplo has a WRC plus of 113. And that is it. They have no other hitters who have a WRC plus over 100 during that time frame. I'm looking for the Cubs pitchers to do some damage against this uh, kind of middling Arizona offense. Let's see what. Let's see if they can do that.
1: Yeah. My hope is uh, that Christian Walker can cool off because he's hit three home runs this week and they played the Dodgers. They've, they've lost their last six games, including two against the Cubs. And it, first of all, this is another example of just horrible scheduling by MLB. Like I hate when you play a team, you know, just within, like, this is the only time we're going to see him and it's all going to be over in a week. And I do like it. It feels unfair because Teams change throughout the year, so I like when you have to play them at the beginning and you play them at the end, and it's like a different team each time uh, a little bit, depending on moves and injuries and things like that. So that's kind of a frustrating thing, but um, yeah, it's their offense is not great. I mean, they're, what you got to do is get to their bullpen because their bullpen is the by ERA, they're third worst in baseball. They have 473 team bullpen ERA. So they don't strike anybody out, out of that bullpen. So you got to knock the starter out. And when you do that, you should be good to go. And then you could sweep the whole thing. Like, send them to 10, 10 straight for those for those Diamondbacks.
0: Before we talk about the Cubs hitters, I do want to flag that on Friday, uh, the Cubs are going to unveil the Gallagher Way statue. Uh, I don't even, I forget what they're calling this. They're like the Gallagher Way statue park out there where they'll have all of the Hall of Famers. Ferguson Jenkins is going to get His statue finally dedicated, long overdue for Fergie. That statue is out there right now. I'm excited for this. Everything should kick off around 1130 at Gallagher Way. There are still lots of tickets available for this game, including some really good seats. It's some really low prices and the weather. You know, it looks like there might be some afternoon showers on Friday. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that it will hold off long enough for Ferguson Jenkins to have his, the ceremony that he deserves and Kyle Hendricks to pitch a gem on Fergie day, because I can't think of anything better than Kyle Hendricks picking, pitching a gem on Ferguson Jenkins dedication day. I will be there covering it for BCB looking, really looking forward to Friday's game.
1: Yeah, me too. I'll be there with uh, my mom in the upper deck. Uh, We got uh, Michael Cotton is going to be in town uh, from the sun Ranto show. And, uh, I'm, I'm just really looking forward to that. Just sitting out there. The weather looks, it's going to be warm. I'm hoping that the, uh, showers can't hold off till later. It's Saturday's really right now, the game that looks the toughest, which is why you should just come inside to the bleacher bum band show. Instead, you won't get wet at all there (laughs) except for me sweating all over you. Um, but no, we'll, it's, it's going to be a really fun, uh, weekend and, um, I I'm, I'm looking forward to, I mean, Fergie Jenkins, like living legend. I'm so glad that they didn't screw this up and they're doing it while he's alive. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's like, this is long overdue, long, long, overdue. long, long overdue for Fergie to get a statue. And there are a few more pedestals out there. Two of them. So I wonder who's next. I'm thinking maybe Ryan Sandberg.
0: Buck O'Neill, man. In- Why doesn't Buck O'Neill have a statue at this ballpark? Like let's, uh, let's retire Buck O'Neill's number and give Buck a statue, please.
1: Yeah. It's uh, him. Uh, there's a, there's a couple of deserving people. Tom Ricketts deserves a statue. Tom no, Ricketts is not getting a
0: statue <laughs> before Andre Dawson gets a statue.
1: Well, and then we were talking about this the other day on Sunranto about like, you know, with Dawson playing the bulk of his years with the, his best years with the Expos, even though he did win an MVP with the Cubs. Um, Him and uh, Maddox would be another one who shares a, a a number with Fergie and that flag where they both wore 31. And it, I'm like, maybe they'll make them share a statue too. And well, they'll just do it like okay, half, weird. half Fergie, half Maddox. The thing oh, about man, that that
0: would be weird is Jenkins statue, if you've looked at it, it's it's a little bit horizontally elongated because they've got him like it, mid motion. It's a really cool uh, design. and Maddox and Fergie do not have similar motions at all. So even if not, you could no. pull off like the even if you could pull off like the half face thing of this, the motion part of it would be kind of ridiculous. Um let's talk about the Cubs offense a little bit, but what we' before we do, let me just say, get yourself a ticket to Friday's game. Come on or Fergie it's going to be a great afternoon at the old ballpark. Um, Let's talk about this Cubs offense for a second. This offense is firing on all cylinders. Wilson Contreras is hot over the last four weeks. He has a WRC plus of 150. Ian Happ has a WRC plus of 135. Saya Suzuki heating up again. His WRC plus is 132. And Alfonso Rivas, who is getting some more playing time, splitting some duties at first base with Frank Schwindel, has a WRC plus of 109. They are not the team that scored 21 runs against the Pirates earlier this season, but they are looking pretty good. Uh, what are you hoping to see from this Cubs offense against this Diamondbacks pitching?
1: Yeah, I mean, you just you're just hoping to, as I said, get to the bullpen. Like you, they've got they've any uh, they've got a better record than the Cubs, and it's because not because of their offense, not because of their bullpen. It's been their starting pitching. So you got to get in there. Take, you know, make them work, get to that 100 pitch count or whatever it is, get them knocked out of the game, and then, uh, give yourself a chance to win against their bullpen. And that's just kind of so that could be done a lot of ways, you know, by patient at bats. Um, get on base, death by a thousand cuts. Don't run in. Don't give away outs. Don't give away outs. Don't give away outs on the base paths at all. Don't give them extra outs with your shoddy defense either. So, um, you know, don't, don't make your pitchers work harder than they need to. This is a totally beatable team. There's no way you, there's no reason the Cubs can't win every single one of these games and send the diamondbacks to a 10 loss losing streak.
0: No reason. If the Cubs send the diamondbacks off on a 10 game losing streak, we will definitely be talking about it here on cup of cubby blue Uh, until then, Danny, where can people find you aside from Saturday at output with the bleacher bum band?
1: Yeah. Uh, so Saturday, I put Bleacher Bum Band, Sun Ranto show on Sunday nights. Uh, we'll be going on Sunday evening. If you just follow at Sunranto, you will find it all out um, on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all the places
0: all the places uh, you can also follow me at, at BCB underscore Sarah on Twitter, where I am tweeting out my articles and baseball observations. You can follow the podcast at at Cubby blue, where we tweet out every show. Uh, so you never miss an episode. We will be watching uh, to celebrate Ferguson Jenkins and, fi- and honestly celebrate the Cubs finally having a predictable starting rotation that knock on wood appears to be healthy. And we will be back after this four game set with the Diamondbacks to talk all things Cubs news updates and banter until next time. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm.